And I'm Laura. And we're Bible Bitches. That's right. <laughs> recording. We and we are actually also in recording hell um, because <laughs> we have we have lost this episode and we are re-recording. So um, it's good to be with y'all. If you end up hearing this and it goes well, <laughs> yeah. This and not just the, this is not our second recording of this. This is like our fourth. Right? Yeah, like our third or fourth. So this is really exciting for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? It's new. It's new to y'all. So we are getting pumped up. And in order to do that, I am wearing a Wonder Woman costume. Yeah. And Sarah is wearing a She-Ra costume. And uh, there may or may not be some pics that come via the uh, Bible Bitches Twitter account at Bible Bitches of us in those costumes. Not today, but you know, on days when we actually really, I feel like nailed it because I feel like both of us. Love to love to dress up and do the costume thing. For sure, for right? sure, right? Love to wear a costume. I'm super interested in what our what our listeners like. I I want y'all to send us pictures of costumes too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes, to, on to the topic of hell. You want you want to you want to get in my time machine, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, I do. Do 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 do. Guess where we are, Sarah? Do you know? Are we in ancient Egypt? We are. What game, <laughs> What what tipped you off? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> he's always he's always he always shows up, you know, with a with some sort of a magnifying glass and a map, you know, things of that nature. Being like, we've got to we've got to save the pyramids, you know. I don't, that was a terrible impression, but it's what I've got, Sarah. It's what I've got. Is it a terrible impression? I, I haven't watched a lot of his movies, but he, his acting is all over the place from what I understand mm-hmm. from the TV show community. And um, so. <laughs> I've got sand all over my clothes. <laughs> well, well, Nick, that's because we're in ancient Egypt and mm-hmm. we're walking through the sand. And um, we are talking about. Um, what happens when a person's uh, soul or ka uh, leaves their body um, in death in ancient Egypt? Um, when that happens, um, it travels out and uh, it goes into the underworld. And I believe it's Osiris that ends up weighing the person's soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and he weighs it against, I think he weighs it against a feather, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and on like a kind of a scale and if they were found wanting if they had done some bad bad stuff or if they had um violated kind of the rules of the day then they were tossed to amet devourer of the dead and thrown into a lake of fire yes they were that's pretty harsh (laughs) so yes lake of fire now Interestingly, this stands in juxtaposition to the Greek idea of Tartarus, which Tartarus. is Tartarus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this stands in juxtaposition to the Greek idea of Tartarus. Just kidding, it's really Tartarus, mm-hmm. um, which is an underground dungeon or a dismal place as a part of Hades. That's right, and. I and other listeners might remember this from uh, the show Hercules or Xena. Um, that was my earliest crash course into Greek mythology. 
and uh, and it also introduced me to a one Ryan Gosling as young young Hercules. <sighs> that Ryan Gosling. Right. I could, I could definitely get on board with um Ryan. Actually, wait, no, was he? Is he like bulky enough to be a Hercules? I think no. he's not that bulky. Not at that. Yeah, I just it was kind of like you know he was not at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, or even now I don't know. Uh, but at the time he was not, and I just kind of suspended judgment. I was just yeah. kind of like you know what I I'm okay with it because at the time I just remember he had like kind of like flowing blonde hair and I was. <laughs> I was a child, and I was like, oh, hello. hello. <laughs> um, um, so, interestingly, there wasn't really a concept of hell in Judaism. So, just to, like, a quick recap, we're talking about three different concepts of hell. One is the ancient Egyptian version um, with Amit, the devourer of the dead. Then there's the Greek idea of Tartarus, which is more of just like an underground dungeon. And now we're talking about Judaism, which um, in the Hebrew Bible, Sheol was considered, Sheol is like their kind of hell, the Jewish, the Ju- the Jewish, the Jewish version of hell. And it's considered a place of the dead or like a grave. So everyone went there upon death or upon death and judgment isn't eternal. It's just like a moment. Yeah. So, um, so then, but it, that really kind of all changes, however, with the book of Daniel. Daniel was written later than a lot of other Old Testament or Hebrew Bible books. And I apologize for any barking you may hear in the background. My dogs can be a little talkative and they have opinions about things. Um, so, but they're adorable. So they are. They're very cute. Yeah. We might, we might post some, post some photos of that too. Um, Right. Uh, so the book of Daniel was written later um, than a lot of the other books in the Hebrew Bible slash Old Testament. Um, and it introduces the concept of judgment based on behavior in chapter 12. Um, so in the, the book of Daniel, chapter 12 says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall away, some to everlasting, some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's right. Um, so just as a side question, that introducing the idea of, um, behavior as something that will be judged in your afterlife, how are they defining it before? Like what, what sent you to hell in like early Jewish texts or in ancient Egypt? In, um, in, in more ancient Judaism, uh, in Israelite texts. Um, I don't think that was ever really fleshed out. I think there were laws by which, like a, it, it's called a Deuteronomistic kind of code, um, by which you know you, it's kind of fleshed out in the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus as to how you should live. But that was very much about the here and now um, versus anything regarding the afterlife, which wasn't really talked about. Um, it, it's it was very much about what you do in this life. Um, with e- Egypt was very much the opposite of that. It was all about preparation for the dead, which is why they put so much work into funerary arrangements, um, embalming, mummification, all of that. And so there was a lot of behavioral codes that were about getting into 
this wonderful place in the afterlife and all the stuff that you can take with you, which is why there's so many treasures in the tombs. So I think more of that is flushed out in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, I want to say. And I am less familiar with what proper behavioral, you know, things would be in ancient Egypt, um, what those codes would look like. But I know that that was more focused on death versus Judaism, ancient Judaism, uh, Israelite religion would be focused on the here and now. Huh. That's really interesting. So I know more about how Jewish mystical traditions build on the concept after it's introduced in Daniel, the concept of judgment in the afterlife or judgment in the here and now that will affect your afterlife. And, and so those traditions build on this concept. Some end up following the Kabbalah belief or some end up sort of developing the Kabbalah belief that there is a waiting room um, before being passed on to eternal lives, eternal life. Many Jewish people believe that hell is more like a feeling of shame, like a present moment to suffer from misdeeds, not, not, not an afterlife. It's very momentary. So in that idea, one can align oneself with God's will at any one time. The gates of yeshiva, which mean return, are always open. So you always have the ability to return back into like God's good graces. So, yeah, so again, hell isn't really a focus in the Jewish tradition, but we'll see that that isn't the case in Christianity. Oh, boy. Yeah, you are you are right there, Sarah. I feel like threats about hell and fire are almost a throwaway phrase in a lot of conservative Christian households. I know people who were told they would go to hell for masturbating when they were teens. Yikes. Oh, for sure. Yikes. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because then that, like, just creates, this whole feeling of shame about touching your body, about learning things about your body. And within that shame, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of denial and refusal to acknowledge a really significant part of who you are in this developmental stage. It's crazy. I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but it seems like such a bad call that we are, are still, are still teaching our young Christian adults that that their body is something to only be desired by one specific other, which is your marriage partner, and that like you can't desire your own body. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there there are some huge problems with that, and almost I I feel like in a lot of ways that it's almost creating a hell on earth, right? Whenever we yeah. live in shame. And talking about hell and Christianity, um, while hell as a con- concept still wasn't fully formed in its modern state in the New Testament, Hades, which is the Greek kind of underworld, right? Sheol, which is the kind of Jewish version of grave or kind of death, whatever whatever's after that's not really fleshed out, and Gehenna um, were mentioned frequently in the New Testament. Can you tell us about Gehenna, Sarah? Oh, Gehenna. Gehenna is the closest literal um, idea of what we now consider to be hell. It's an actual flaming trash heap, or it was an actual flaming trash heap outside of Jerusalem. It's where all of their refuse and trash and all that shit gets thrown. Also, dead bodies get tossed in there. It's crazy. 
And I gotta say, not so unlike <laughs> my first LA apartment, which probably should have been burned because <laughs> I lived there, so it was just like completely full of trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was lovely, Sarah. I'm sure, I'm sure as they say in the realtor world, I'm sure it was cozy. It was cozy. <laughs> it was the size of a closet. And um, I, it was, it was like, uh, it was like where Harry Potter lived under the stairs. <laughs> that, was my, that was my apartment. Did you ever get your letter from Hogwarts? I, you know, I did not. I kept waiting for it and it just never arrived. Wah, I, wah. They, just, they just got the wrong address. Totally. You're you're a Gryffindor, right? Uh, yes. Good. The other one, Hufflepuff. I feel like a Hufflepuff. Are you a Hufflepuff? I'm a Gryffindor, which we are heroic and amazing, and also really obnoxious. Because <laughs> we're because we're always going around being like, here we are to save the day. <laughs> what do the Hufflepuffs do? I feel like they're like. I feel hygiene. like. Yeah, you. What did you say? I said I feel like they're hygiene. They're they're more like I love animals. Yeah. Which which is awesome. That's why they're they're I feel like they're very like loyal and they loyal and caring. They're very dependable. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So Yay. Yay for Hufflepuffs. Slytherins would probably appreciate Gehenna. Yes, they probably would. I feel like <laughs> Any Slytherins listening, let us know what you think about Gehenna. Yeah. You have, <laughs> awesome. You have, like, a strong interest in recreating it? Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about that, Gehenna? <laughs> let us know. Um, so Gehenna, not your apartment, but the actual flaming trash heap outside of Jerusalem where trash and bodies were, was used as a metaphor for judgment in the New Testament. And... The concept of an eternal place of torment and judgment um, wasn't really fleshed out until early theologian Augustine's writings and later on Dante, an Italian poet from the Middle Ages who wrote about the nine circles of hell in Inferno. (laughs) And like we all know, if you've ever been through LAX, at least seven of those nine circles are at LAX. Like accurate <laughs> accurate I once had a gate change on me with no announcement and the flight took off early and they tried to make me pay every booking charge and I was like really really yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Dante actually had a time traveling device so he came to the future and he like somehow landed in LAX and then he went back to his time and was like let me tell y'all and he put it in a book and with Nick Cage there and he was like what the hell is this place (laughs) (laughs) yes Nick Cage was definitely there (laughs) he was the one who saved Dante and brought him back to his time (laughs) I like this I I like this kind of we maybe we should create an alternate like timeline version of reality um just like maybe books starring Nick Cage yes right Nick Cage in ancient Egypt (laughs) So anyways, different forms of Christianity differ, of course, on what sends you to hell. And, and like, I want to be clear here that yeah, really dependent on your socio-historical place. So, so Catholicism, there's more a focus on works over faith. 
in the Protestant church, there's more of a focus of faith over works, i.e., if you just believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, um, then you're good to go. And it doesn't really matter as much what you do. There's an understanding that the doing will kind of follow with baptism and faith. Um, now, that is a huge, huge, broad kind of assumption that I just made. But I think it's one that is, in some form or fashion, generally has some truth to it. The faith over works, works over faith, Catholicism, Protestant, Christianity divide. Um, and then, you know, you have the more liberal Christians, liberal Christians who believe in universal reconciliation, where you might be in purgatory because you chose to do wrong or separate yourself from God, but eventually you'll see the light and move on to heaven. I kind of want to flesh this out a little bit, the idea of universal reconciliation. Can you, Laura, can you tell us a little bit about like what that looks like or give some examples of what that looks like? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you'd have a lot of different examples of this based on any given person in a more progressive church. I don't know that you could pull like anybody out and say, I believe this or I believe that. I think you're going to get a, a wide diversity of views on this. But a couple of examples of what you might see is, you know, Jesus is one path, the path that I can attest to saying that works for me to get to heaven based on the example of selflessness, love, and justice. Uh, so it would just kind of be an understanding that uh, there's many paths, right? Right. Um, that would be one understanding. It would also say in terms of hell that if hell exists, and on some, some people don't believe in hell on this end of the spectrum, but if hell does exist, you're putting yourself there. It's a self-selection out from God. If God is love, then you are choosing to do acts that would put yourself outside of the umbrella of love and community. So you wouldn't even really want to be in community in whatever comes next. So it would look like Hitler, right, um, being, uh, you know, this warmonger, genocidal maniac, right? It would, it, but on a maybe smaller scale, it would look like someone perpetuating racism, sexism, selfishness, greed, those kinds of things if you live for yourself. So it would, if there is a hell, it would look maybe like that. Also, it could be a very, very much a temporal kind of earthly thing where, it's I am choosing to live for selfishness now and not creating the community of God. So I am working for hell, i.e. capitalism and racism and all the things, all the isms that are, that kind of put us into a hellish nightmare. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in an afterlife kind of hell. And I don't really even believe in an afterlife kind of heaven. If anything, I would be more aligned with the Buddhist interpretation of like rebirth. I would adhere to, you know, the more liberal right. Christian viewpoint of the of the community being the important thing, right? That you choose love and justice together and whether or not there is an afterlife or not is not super important in terms of what is happening right now on earth, right? That that I can't, I can't affect that in any way, what happens after. So the focus is to try to do the work of love and justice, which would be, the for me, as a Christian, that would be following the path of Jesus, right? 
but for but what I but what I love about that is that you know you as an agnostic are saying that community is the answer right and I feel like that's where the beauty of interfaith work comes in because I think so many of us can agree on that beautiful work of community doing the the work of our various ethical belief systems right mm-hmm. that that is in some form or fashion the answer so I I love that your focus is on community and my focus is on community and so we're we can bridge that divide in so many ways based yeah. on that that need for love and justice and together we can kind of fight some of those selfish innate desires that we might have which I just love I just love that like everybody coming together and doing good work yeah it's I love important that you're, that you're saying this in your Wonder Woman costume. It's appropriate, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. We got Wonder Woman and She-Ra being like, "We just gotta kick some butt for love and justice." That's right. That is right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're probably gonna need to jump off here and go do that. <laughs> yeah. But before, but before we do, we want to do some shout outs. So I've got two listener mail things that I want to do before we get to the shout outs. Um, one is at Stephen underscore car 2 on Twitter. He was saying that he's uh, loving listening to our podcasts, um, but that he would like us to flesh out some things a little bit more. So we are um, doing that. We want to like make sure that we're defining all of our terms. Um, his question was about the first, our first episode on Satan, the, adversary being Satan, what what differs from that view of the adversary in Job coming to God and, you know, uh, in or Satan coming to God as the adversary to test Job? What is different about that than say, you know, good God, bad Satan that we have now, right? This kind of more dichotomous view. And uh, that's a great question, Stephen. The answer that we found is basically that Satan as adversary was someone at that point in time who could be considered part of God's court, right? Not entirely other, but maybe an angel in God's court that was serving some sort of function and not yet seen as an entirely other bad entity. So that's the answer to that question. And thank you for listening and asking questions. We, any, if you all have any questions or want us to flesh things out, just give us a, give us a shout out. Also, uh, David Sirchuk um, is a storyteller and he a former contributor to Forbes magazine. And he would like us to do an episode on Eve and also on Sarah of Sarah Abraham uh, Hagar fame. And we love that. He also says that he feels like he's so heard because we uh, uh, have been talking to him via Twitter. So thank you for listening. Uh, we love you. And you can find him at Da Sirchuk on Twitter. So thanks, y'all, for listening. Um, Thank you so much. Absolutely. And if anybody else wants to talk to us uh, or ask questions, you can find us at Bible Bitches on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook on our fan page at Bible Bitches. Yeah. And, um, of course, you can always listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or uh, Stitcher. You can also email us directly if you'd like at Bible Bitches. That's Bible, B-E-T-C-H-E-S at gmail.com. Yeah, which, like, we won't get into the whole thing with Gmail and... (laughs) Google, you know, Google has some language issues. They 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 don't don't like it. They don't appreciate our language. Yeah. They're they're trying. They're, they're, you know, I'm sure they're doing it for a good reason. (laughs) 
they're just being a family family friendly corporation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also, of course, like thank you so much to Engage Gays for being our host platform. Everybody, check out um, the articles on that. They're great. We have great cr- contributors. They're always really thoughtful. And that's Engaged Gays, G A Z E, like with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Engaged G A Z. And um, of course, big props to uh, Miss Eve. Uh, who also goes by Yo Ease on Twitter, who is letting us use her song TNT for the intro and outro music. She's totally badass and awesome, and you should check out her music. You can also uh, find Aaron Smith, which is at Aaron Doodles on Twitter. He is the person who designed our title card. Uh, he does a lot of cartooning and drawing, and he's also uh, an architect. So he's he's very very talented person. So check all those folks out, uh, give us shout outs, uh, ask us questions if you want, and otherwise we will see you next time. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye.